I'm Pastor Adam Lee, and I'm filling in again for Pastor Chris as he wraps up his missionary travels. And um, I ask that you would continue to pray for him as God still has work for him to do. Amen. And that he will be back for Father's Day, and we're all excited about that. So I am going to continue in the Tug of War sermon series, week number two. How many liked last week's message? That was so beautiful. Pastor Chris started us down a path where he he describes that we are in a almost a tug of war that uh, between the Bible and our culture. And he laid out over the next five weeks some big questions that we're going to be tackling together. And uh, I'm responsible for week number one, the very first question, and that is the question of origin. How did this all begin? How did this all begin? So in honor of reading God's word at every campus, let's stand to our feet. We like to position ourselves for the word of God. Amen. We like to posture ourselves for the word of God. We believe that's important. If you're watching online today, you may not stand, but you may just want to posture yourself wherever you are to hear from the Lord in his word. Amen. All right. Answering the question of origin, where did this all begin? We have to go nowhere else but Genesis 1 verse 1. Okay? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Ready. All right. Genesis 1 verse 1 through 5. Uh, We're going to do this thing. We're going to talk about day one of the creation story, and I'm going to skip five days and talk about day six. So we we don't have the time to talk about the entire creation story. We have only time today to accomplish where did this all begin? Amen. Okay. In the beginning, verse one, in the beginning, God, boy, we could stop right there. Couldn't we? God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Man. Jumping down to verse 26. Skipping to day six of creation, we pick up. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over the livestock, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Someone say amen. In the image of God, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have 
dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Verse 29, and God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth. Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word to us today. Thank you that we can be confident that you're above. You're high and lifted up. You were before all things. You created all things. God, we trust you today. We look to a good God. Not only did you speak things into existence, for a reason, God, you spoke us into existence and then you did something. You called us good. We thank you today. We trust you. Show us through your word how good you are. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated today. Now, as you find your seat, I would like to do a little exercise. Okay, this is going to be fun I would like to put a timer on the clock for five minutes. And I would like for you to take the next five minutes and look to your neighbor. Find your neighbor, someone beside you or in front of you for watching online. Maybe you might have to look in the mirror or just someone next to you. And I want you to take the next five minutes and begin to count the hairs on their head. All right, go ahead. We'll see who can count the hairs on their neighbor's head in five minutes. Some of you have a lot of counting to do, and some of you ain't got any counting to do, and I know that because I can see it from here. <laughs> and uh, go ahead, take about five minutes. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They can, they can kill the countdown. I wanted to start off by saying God is such a big God that he has numbered the hairs on your head. And that it says in Luke 12, 7, that, that we shouldn't worry because God is both big, he is large, he is in charge, and he is so delicate that he has numbered the hairs on your head. He knows things you cannot know, and he can do things you cannot do. Amen? Amen. He knows the number of hairs on your neighbor's head or the number of hairs you used to have on your head. I want to start off by saying he is an almighty God. He is an all-powerful God. He is an all-knowing God. He is a God that there was nothing before him, and he spoke things into existence that were not there before. By just speaking, let there be light, there was light. By just speaking the animals and plants into existence, there became animals and plants into existence. He's a big, powerful, all-knowing God who was awesome enough to number the hairs on your head. He loves you. He knows you. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? 
we have to start there. You know, the, the beginning of time, the creation story, Genesis 1, 1 is a big chapter. I don't think it was by mistake that this is the way the world started. And I don't believe it's by mistake that this is how our Bible starts. Genesis 1, 1 is a big statement. Right away, we have something happening when we talk about the creation story. We instantly divide the world into two camps. Those who believe in the creation story and those who do not. Right away, as soon as you start talking about creation and how God did things, we divide the world into two places. And that's the illustration you see on the graphic behind me, that, that the Bible believes that, that God, God created all things, and the culture believes that not to be true. And so the question of whether or not God created everything in the universe is a line in the sand so to speak, that immediately divides everyone in the world into two camps, those who believe in creation and those who don't. As soon as we start saying, this began with an all-powerful God, you have people that say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that to be true. And so instantly, now I pray everybody in this room I pray that we are all in the same camp, that we do believe that God was an all-powerful creator and that he created the world. But while this creation story separates people into two camps, believing and not believing in the God of creation, it also raises a number of secondary questions the answers to which have frequently been the cause of further division and disagreement, especially among believers. Questions pertaining to the length of the creation days. Questions pertaining to the age of the earth and the relationship between creation and evolution. These questions, these secondary questions, have fostered great debate among even the Christian camp. And I just want to start today's message by saying, guys, we do not have enough time to debate with our own camp. And that although there are many secondary questions to creation, we do not have energy or or time to, to waste sideways energy Bible pulling against Bible. No, the to the Lord a thousand days is one day. And creation was 6,000 was 6, days. And, and, and the other Christians, no, 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 it was six days. It's literal. It's supposed to be taken just the way you read it. And, and we don't have time to be pulling on the same camp. We are called as Bible-believing Christians to be a light in this world and to pull culture towards a Savior. Amen? We do not need to spend energy. Now, I believe in healthy debates, and I like a good healthy debate. And there's nothing wrong with it. They have their place. But as our primary focus today and as Christians, we don't have the time to be pulling each other when the world is dying. Amen? So those are the secondary questions that it raises. However, 
there is a broad consensus among Christians. Can we say amen? (laughs) That we do have things that we all agree on that God said. For example, that that very first verse that I read, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. With the name of God underlined, bolded, and highlighted, and as many things as you can do to it. In the beginning, God. We all can agree on that. God created the heavens and the earth. There is no argument there. God created everything good. God created everything good. We all believe it. Creation was on purpose. God created the order of all things. And then something universally accepted by all Christians is that God created man in his image. Different from any other creature. So when answering the origin question, how did everything begin... Here's what the Bible teaches us. Here's what's, what, what everybody can agree on and what we need to be showing and teaching culture. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, answering the question of origin. God already was. If you're taking notes, he already was. In the beginning, they had the verse up, God. There there was nothing before him. Um, I want to say that Genesis 1-1 is a faith statement. um, Because the Bible is is not a history book, although it contains history and books of history. The Bible is not a science book, although it contains science. The Bible is an inspired revelation. It is an inspired revelation of God. There was no beginning to him. He was before anything. He created everything. Everything was created from him. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, we read about him responding to a man named Moses. After Moses questions God and asks God who he is, God answers to Moses. Does anybody remember what he answers him? He says, I am. I am. I was already here. God already was. Uh, he, said to the, he said to Moses, I am. Tell, tell the people that I am sent you. Uh, this tells us that God is the, the being one, the one who is, that he gives he, he, he shows up to Moses in the midst of a bush that was burning but not being consumed. Do you remember? And in other words, the fire in the bush was not in any way dependent on the bush for energy to burn. He said, I am. I appear to you as I am. I, I, I always was. I am not dependent on anything to be. I am this fire that's not dependent on this bush for energy. I am. And that's what he tells 
Moses. He was independent. He was self-existing. He was self-sustaining. He already was. Amen? This is a faith statement. God already was, is a faith statement. If you go around, if we go around talking like that, we will find ourselves in one of two camps. And we have to remember that this statement right here, in the beginning, God. We have to remember that that statement is foolishness to our culture. That statement is foolishness to our culture. They do not go around saying, in the beginning, God. And Pastor Chris made a point last week that I made sure to write down. It is not a good thing when, when culture can't tell the difference between Bible. It's, a, it's not a good thing when people can't tell Christians apart from culture and Bible. Does that make sense? That we ought to believe things that make us different. We ought to do things that make us different. And it's not a good thing when people can't tell Christians apart from the world. And so I have to start off by saying the belief that God created everything instantly puts you into a camp that maybe, maybe more than half of the world doesn't believe. You have to remember you carry a message and a belief that's countercultural. It is not widely accepted. We do not hear on the evening news that God is the creator of everything. And this, my friends, is where the tug of war exists. It exists in Hedgesville. It exists in Berkeley Springs. It exists in Concord. It exists all over this world that, that there are people who believe that the Bible is the word of God. And there are people who do not believe that the Bible is is the word of God. Amen? This is the tug of war. And uh, I want to take just a little bit of time here to make sure that as Christians, we are tugging on the right ropes. If we are full on believing that the Bible is the word of God and we're tugging war against people who full on do not believe that the Bible is the word of God, then we have to make sure that we're pulling them towards the right things. Amen? And so, just real quick, we have to be able to debate experience, not proof. We have to be able to debate experience, not proof. And so, we also don't have time to pull people towards proving God. How many know man cannot prove God to anyone? Only God can prove himself to man. So I was listening to a debate on TikTok. <laughs> it's okay. I knew you were already judging me. And uh, sometimes when you're scrolling through your feed, you'll come across something that's live. And sometimes it's interesting that you have someone saying, you know, come and, come and debate with me why a certain sin is immoral. And then you have people coming on and debating 
why a certain sin is immoral. And I, I just wanted my observation of this, of this debate I was listening to on TikTok. And it kind of it made me think about, man, we got we to gotta make sure we're pulling people towards the right thing. Um, I, I really wished I could have jumped through the phone and helped this Christian out who is debating with this non-believer. And um, it, was, it was sounding a little bit like, well, that sin is wrong because God says it's wrong. That sin is wrong because the Bible tells me that that sin is wrong. Okay. I understand that. Then it raised the question, well, how do you know that the Bible is the word of God? And uh, in their defense, they, ha- they had a lot, of good, a lot of good arguments to make about the Bible being the word of God. And they pulled the conversation to because there's historical data and facts and, the, and a lot of things in the Bible can be proven. And, and Jesus Christ was a real man in a real time period and died a real death. And it's not just backed by the Bible. It's backed by evidence and history. And, and it can be proven. <laughs> the guy in the argument just said, I don't believe that. For every proof... There was a rebuttal. And I just got the, in my mind, I'm kind of like, oh, I wish I could just jump in. Because we can't be pulling people in, to prove God. We need to be pulling people to experience him. And I thought to, I thought to myself, you know, fantasizing about being in that argument, right? Am I weird? <laughs> Is that weird? Man, this guy's weird up here. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, if that was me, and I was asked, how do you know that the Bible is the word of God? I would kind of be like, hmm, that's a tricky one. How do I know? That's a tricky one. Um, well, I can't prove it to you. Let's start there. Only God himself can prove himself to you. But I can tell you, I can tell you my experience with reading his word for myself. See where I'm going? I can tell you about my experience with the word of God. I can tell you how over the past 20 years I've read it. And the things that I've read in the Bible, how I've applied them to my life. And how they've empowered me in certain ways to have hope, to have a future to overcome things that I couldn't overcome by myself, to, ha- to gain wisdom for life. I can tell you how the Holy Spirit has empowered me to understand things that I couldn't understand on my own. And I can tell you about my experience with the Word of God. Amen? And so we need to be so careful tugging on the right ropes with culture because if we tug people towards proving, it's, a, it's, it's chasing our tails. If we tug people towards an experience with God. Pastor Chris said this last week that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And actually, we have the verse. I forget where it's from. The message of the cross is foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.18. That is foolishness to those who are perishing. And, and, and you, ch- you just chase your tail in a circle that, that people have to experience the living God before they can believe anything he says. And so 
we need to make sure that we're pulling people to experiencing the goodness of God. We can say, here's how I was empowered. Here's how his word spoke to me. Here's the things that I experienced as a result of applying his words to my life. Oh, and by the way, this has been the experience of two billion other people. You know, the statistics on the world is that two billion people claim to believe they are in the creation camp, claim to believe that the Bible is the word of God. It's the largest religion. Christianity is the largest religion in the world. And so we have to pull people towards experience. Amen? In the beginning, the, in the beginning God is a faith statement. It's as silly as a statement as Jesus died, uh, was buried, and resurrected from the death on the third day. That is, it's the, it's the same thing that God created the world, that, that God, he, he's doing these things, and it just takes faith. Sometimes the Bible says the faith of a child even to believe it. You have to come to a place in your life where you experience him and you just say, okay, I'll believe it. Okay. Yeah, he died. He was buried. He rose again. It was for me and my sin. I accept it. You have to come to that place personally. Amen. But that is where it all started. It started with an almighty God. It started with somebody who was already there a God who knows more than we can know, a God who can do more than we can do, a God that can speak things into existence that needs no, no thing to be. I just had to warn you that that sets you apart from 70% of the culture. And you've got to be aware of it, and you have to know how to pull people in the right direction. Okay, the second thing about the origin question, where did this all begin? It started with him. The second thing we need to talk about is that creation was on purpose. Can I get an amen? Amen. Creation was on purpose. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Wow. How many know that God is a God of high intent? God is a God of high intent. He is intentional. He does things so that other things can happen. In your life, maybe you're being more intentional. And and you're trying to do things so that other things can happen. And We'll get into this in a little bit, but God gave man in his image the ability to be intentional. Amen? There are no other creatures who have the ability to have a high intent, to do things so that other things could happen. And I have to just say that creation was on purpose and that the God of high intent intended to do things. He didn't just create things to have things. He created things to do things. He cre- on the first day, there was light. So that on the next day, there could be this. And on the next day, there could be that. 
and sequentially so that this would give birth to this and that because of this, this is possible. And then on the sixth day, we make man in our image because I'm a God of high intent and I intended there for, for there to be a creation by the time I created man. Amen. And by the time I created man, I gave man a purpose. And this is something that we just have to talk about. The origin question here that he does everything on purpose. He has a high intent for everything that he does. That means he has a high intent for you. And it's not just you, it's how it all began. Because he gave Adam and Eve life and he breathed into them. And then he did something amazing. He gave them dominion. He gave them a job to do for Adam and Eve to work the garden, to name the animals, to have dominion, to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue the earth. God never just does anything to do it. He gave us purpose. And it's how it all started. God's intent, his high intent for man was to be on mission. And even in sin, God kept his high intent. Can we talk about that for a second? That even as Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and may, may have to, to the outside looking in may have looked like they ruined God's intentions with them. And that, oh man, he couldn't do it. He, you know, he could no longer use man the way he intended to do because man messed up. And man, they had to get kicked out of the garden and, and they had to receive the death sentence. And it was just real bad. And then God does, did something very, very unlikely. He gave us another chance to be purposeful. Amen? He, he, he gave us purpose again. He covered our nakedness. He covered our shame. He, he, he clothed Adam and Eve, and he says, keep, keep doing it. Keep working the land. Keep being fruitful and multiplying. Keep doing the things that I gave you purpose for doing. I'm making you another chance. I'm giving you another chance, and I'm putting a plan into motion to give everybody a purpose. And I think the Bible says that by his heel, he would bruise the head of the serpent. And God was enacting a plan of salvation. And through the hands and feet of Jesus, he would die so that our purpose as mankind could continue. Amen? God wanted purpose for us so much that he sent his one and only son to forgive us of our sins so that his creation could be on purpose, on mission. Creation was on purpose. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that awesome? That the God of all creation who gave purpose to mankind, extended that purpose 
all the way through the ages to you and me. Isn't that awesome? That he created us in Christ Jesus for good works, for a purpose that he prepared in advance for us to do. And before we leave today, I just have to communicate that everybody in this room has purpose. You cannot leave today without knowing that you have purpose. No matter what you find yourself doing, God has given you purpose. He has prepared works, good works, in advance for you to do. Amen? At every age and at every stage, you have purpose. You are never without purpose. No matter what is going on in your life, the God of creation has given you purpose. Amen? Man, we talked about it a couple weeks ago going through affliction. There's still purpose in affliction. In your age and stage of life, you might not think or feel like you have purpose, but you cannot be without it. It is part of the creation story. You cannot, ex- you cannot be without purpose. Even, you, even though you might live or know people who live a purposeless life, who accomplish very little, and, and you might think, what was that all for? God still has purpose for them. For the most unlikely, unsuspecting candidates, he has purpose because it was from the beginning that he created everything on purpose and gave mankind purpose. Amen? Amen. We are his creation. Created in Christ Jesus, we have a purpose. We need to walk in that purpose today. You might think, well, Pastor Adam, it doesn't really feel like I have purpose. Okay. It brings me to the third and final point of the message. So it started with him. He did it all on purpose. And then the last thing. God created the order of all things. The order. The order. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I hope you hear that I'm emphasizing the word over. God is a God of order. And he, in his divine nature, created everything on purpose, and then he set things in order. He told the sun to come up at a certain time and the moon to rise in the evening and and he made the world to turn, and he, he made the plants to do, to do things. I don't know a lot about plants, but God knows everything about plants. He's a God of order, and he established order in creation. Amen? He established order in creation. This is why you cannot be without purpose, because the Lord of heaven and earth established purpose in your life. He made humans significant. Wasn't my idea. 
<laughs> I don't always feel like I have significance. But because God ordered it, it has to be true. You cannot be without significance. You're significant. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're significant. If you're watching online, just tell yourself, I am significant. God has given us significance, whether we like it or not. Because he is the God of divine order. And he chose in his wisdom to put us over things. We are unlike any creature. Like I said, he created us with the ability to have a high intent. Man, we can, we can plot out what we want to do for the rest of the year. Do you think turtles can do that? No. Nah. I mean, we could, we, could, we could evaluate our entire future and say, I want to spend this amount of time going back to school and getting that degree so that I can do this practice, so that after years of this practice, I can maybe do some like consulting and stuff over here in this field. And then after that, I can go travel and just do all this. We have the ability as humans by a creative God who gave us purpose to have a high intent, unlike any other animal. We can't see, you don't see lizards doing that. Bears can't do that. Lions can't do that. God gave humankind significance, amen, and order. And this was all part of his, our origin story. This is how it all began. He set up the earth and set mankind up for purpose, and for order. Amen? This is a really cool story. (laughs) Not everything was created equal. Sometimes our hearts stop us from being significant. And I'm going to call the band up at this time. Sometimes our hearts stop us from knowing our significance. I, I'm, <laughs> I was talking actually to a counselor recently. <gasps> By the way, it's good for you. You should get help if you need it. Throw that out there. And one of the things he's teaching me about my life is to, Adam, pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to your heart because, because if you can take your heart before God and get it right, ain't nothing impossible. He, he, if you could, if you could get your heart right before him, he's a God that says, show me a man who is after my own heart. Right, right, right. We know this. I'm learning it. But sometimes because of the condition of our heart, we don't see the significance or purpose we have. And that is an absolute slap in the face to your creator who both gave you purpose and significance. And I want to just say that whatever you have to do today to get your heart right, you are, it's impossible to be without significance. It's impossible. So according to your circumstances and your mentality and your life, if you're in a place where you cannot believe that you have significance. I want to encourage you today to get your heart right and, 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 to, and to go to a good God who did a lot of good things on purpose 
and gave you purpose and gave you significance and, 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 and that can heal your heart today because it's how it all began. Amen. He can heal your heart today. You know, there, there's only one thing that gets in the way of believing that we're significant and that's our own pride. And, and our own pride keeps us away from it. And I just want to talk about for the next couple of minutes as the band plays quietly to moderately in the background that there's a man that challenged God in the, in the Old Testament. His name was Job. You guys remember the story of Job? You know, maybe you're not too familiar with it, but Job in his pride started to act like like he wasn't significant, like God didn't use him on purpose, like, like, like the divine creator who set order for everything didn't know what he was doing. And Job challenged God and God answered Job. And can I just read some of the things that God said to Job? Man, I never knew how much the book of Job informed us of the creation story until this week. Watch this. He says, this is how God answers Job. Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched the line upon it? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked on the recess of the deep? Have the gates of the death have the gates of death been revealed to you? Where is the way to the dwelling of light and where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths of its home? Have you entered the storehouses of snow? Have you seen the storehouses of hail? Who has a cleft, a channel for the torrents of rain, for the ways of the thunderbolt? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of young lions? Who provides the raven for its prey? When the young ones cry out to God for help, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you observe the calving of the does? Is the wild ox willing to serve you? Will he spend a night at your manger? Wow. God ordered the earth in such a way. You guys can stand to your feet. God ordered the earth in such a way that he knew Jesus was going to come to the earth. He was going to live a perfect and sinless life. He was going to die on the cross to save our sins. He was going to raise on the third day and resurrect himself. And he was going to equip the church. God even knew in his divine purpose, his divine order, that I'm going to put me an oxen at the stable in the manger of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. In a world that feels like it is out of order, we are up against a culture that sometimes feels like it's out of order. It, It looks like there is no longer order. There is no longer a chance for our children. There is no longer right and wrong. There is no longer a hope and a future because of the culture that we're living. Can I just tell you today that we serve a God who has established from the beginning of time purpose 
and order. And if he can command an oxen to be at the birth of a savior, he can order your steps today. He has ordered the steps of mankind. And a good God who did everything on purpose is managing your steps and can take care of you and your children and your children's children. And as long as we are willing to pull people towards experiencing God, then nothing is impossible. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are above all things. Hallelujah. From here below, God, you are divine and you are amazing. Thank you for giving us purpose, for making us significant, for ordering our steps today. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on.